Hello, welcome to the Ishtar Collective podcast. I'm Baxter, the founder of the Ishtar Collective. I'm Purple Chimera, the lead archivist at the Ishtar Collective. And I'm Normal Norman, the lead engineer at the Ishtar Collective. And today we are going to talk about Hawthorne and the remnants of humanity. Mm, spooky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a strange it's a i mean it's a strange phrase that the you know the remnants of humanity i guess we mean like the refugees the people who fled the city yeah that was kind of my thought when i proposed this topic in that it was hawthorne seems to be the leader of the people who kind of lived outside the city and then after the cabal came and destroyed the city then she seems to kind of be the rallying point for anyone who survived that attack yeah. Um and I think it's interesting as well. Well, before I before we go further, I should say this is the first topic that we've ever uh, recorded based on a vote from our patrons. So that's exciting. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh thank you to everybody who voted. Um yeah. So what I was going to say was, you know, it's uh, it's interesting because Hawthorne, you know, we think of the of the the non guardians as people who just live in the city who who can't really fend for themselves, but Hawthorne doesn't really fit that mold. Yeah, she's pretty capable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you kind of get the sense that she's well trained and has been fighting. Um, I guess what we would formally call minions of the darkness uh, for a while now. And um, especially now that the Guardians have lost their light, it seems like we're definitely on more of an equal foot with um, humanity, or at least the like the Vanguard um, through the story and destiny. It's it's very interesting that in the story, uh, the way it progresses, you feel much more human. Um, there's much more of a human element, I should say. Yeah, definitely. And the other thing is that throughout Destiny One. It has t told to us over and over again that, you know, we are special and we are the guardians of, you know, guardian little g of the city, right? We are the protectors of the, of humanity and that the humans are so fragile, like normal humans, um, that they need us to protect them because they wouldn't survive without us. And um, and then you meet Hawthorne and she's kind of like, I, I don't need you. <laughs> you're guarding mm -hmm. you're useless you know that's kind of what her first encounter with her is she doesn't like us she doesn't really trust us she's like but you're big and you can punch things so that's useful <laughs> it's obviously if you're a warlock i guess that's the thing that they do yeah yeah it was I, I, as soon as you said that i i was thinking you know it's obvious that purple's a titan <laughs> yes <laughs> can you <Yeah>. tell <laughs> um so Hawthorne has a friend who we actually meet before we meet Hawthorne, yeah. and his name is Lewis. So it's spelled Louis. Yeah, I know. In the last episode, we were talking about it, and I, and I because I keep I keep, whenever I think of of the of of the Falcon, I think Louis because I've seen it written down now more than I've heard it spoken, but it is actually pronounced Lewis. Yeah, it's I confusing. guess that some people would pronounce it that way. But if I say L O U I S, I would think it's Louis, 
and I would spell Lewis, L-E-W-I-S. This is post-collapse, you know. <laughs> yeah. Spelling has just, people have only ever seen the word Louis written down. That's the problem. Ah, yeah, that's that's probably true. <sighs> Golden Age German and the pronunciation <laughs> of, of Louis have been long forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Hawthorne, as we kind of alluded to, doesn't really like the city or especially the rules and regulations of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of wants to do her own thing. Um, and in, um, in the tower, there's a scan that says, with everyone embracing Hawthorne's, quote, power to the people message. Maybe they don't have as much patience for factions like New Monarchy. Yeah, which I thought was an interesting one. I mean, I don't know. You know, obviously, New Monarchy are anti-consensus to an extent. You know, they they want to. Their goal is to find an uh, you know an individual of unimpeachable character. I think they say, um, and install this person as the the leader of humanity, or at least the leader of the city. Um, so it's definitely, you know, it's not, it's, they, they, they are a non-democratic organization. But I did think it was interesting that, that um, this ghost scan would, would single new monarchy out. Well, I think that of the three factions, that we interact with on a regular basis. New Monarchy is very distinct in that they seem to really have an idea of what they want their government structure to be. And mm-hmm. it's basically like this one leader, right? It's mm-hmm. a monarchy is what they're trying to establish basically. Yeah. Um, that there's one ruler and then everyone else is below that person. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Future War Cult and Dead Orbit don't seem as much to have hard rules about like what the leadership, they're not trying to like create a new country with a governmental structure. It's more like, what are we as a, as a group of people going to do? Yeah, that's true. But I, I guess the reason that it surprised me is that, um, you know, I kind of, I kind of think of the factions as being like, this is more of a, a bungee thing, I suppose, really. I think of the factions as, as being presented on an equal footing. And it's surprising to see one of them singled out by a character and saying, you know, actually, you, you, I, you know, the, the, the Vanguard in Destiny 1 treated each of the of the factions with equal disdain. Sure. You know, there would, it, would, it, would, it, was, it would be kind of strange if, if Cade loved dead orbit you know it would be it would be weird because you wouldn't expect a character who's so um popular and is so important to the the governance of the of the tower and the vanguard to have a bias like that but yeah i just thought it was an interesting it was an interesting thing that you don't really get to see much of yeah yeah i agree the on the new monarchy angle it's interesting that they kind of exemplify um, an imposed hierarchy, and so maybe they're an easy target or just an easy yeah. point of reference. But yeah, it's, it is interesting. 
It's kind of, it's cool actually. I really like I really like this ghost scan. Well, and it's an, also a pretty easy comparison to Hawthorne, being mm-hmm. that Hawthorne is clearly a you know of the people, like it's like it says in the scan, power to the people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, like let's all work together, and no one's better than anybody else. Even a guardian is not better than any other random person. Mm-hmm. They just right. have special skills. <laughs> yeah. So there's another quote that I love that I, that I think exemplifies um, Hawthorne's way of thinking. Um, in the the mission Spark, um, which was kindly transcribed for us by Volshock Berserker, um, there's a line that. Um, Hawthorne says, says, you you know, I've been all over the EDZ, charming enough. Nothing says come visit like a dark haunted forest. And Ghost says, but non-guardians aren't supposed to leave the city. And Hawthorne replies, here's the thing about city rules. They stop applying once you leave the city. (laughs) Which I think is, I just think that's great. You know, it, it really does, you know, tell you a lot about the way that Hawthorne, she she doesn't necessarily she's not she she doesn't love the city, you know. Yeah. yeah, I think also now, given where we are in the story, where for all the the good that the vanguard has done, they couldn't protect us against the Red Legion, right? So mm-hmm. opting into some you know leadership or, or arbitrary rules from Hawthorne's perspective got got us nowhere, got humanity nowhere. Yeah. There's actually a um a conversation that she has that Hawthorne has, I think it's with um Zavala. Um where was it? I can't find it now. But um it, we, we may not have it transcribed yet, but it's a conversation where um Hawthorne basically implies that the city is a prison. Oh, interesting. Um and and I think that's you know the 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 perspective from a guardian's perspective, the reason non guardians aren't supposed to leave the city is because it's dangerous and guardians want to protect them. But there is this, you know, um, the counter argument is that if the people in the city are free, then they should be free to leave. And that's a tough, it's a tough um, thing to to balance. Um, you know, when you're in this privileged position, it's very easy to make. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, Zavala. It's very easy for him to to make decisions that he thinks are in the best interest of a of another group. But actually, it's not really up to guardians to say whether or not non guardians can or can't leave the city. Um. So I definitely I sympathise with Hawthorne's disdain for the the um the old structure of the city yeah it's it's a struggle i mean it's a struggle that we encounter all the time and it's a little bit simplified what i was the example i was thinking of which is the it's almost like a parent-child relationship Mm -hmm. where as your kid gets older you have there's a balance you have to find as a parent between letting them try to do things on their own and become, you know, more independent and self-sufficient and not letting them do like 
ridiculously dangerous things that you know are is going to cause harm you know what i'm saying like so there's a balance and i feel like that's kind of the position that the vanguard is taking they view humanity as like we are taking care of humanity and we'll let them do things as long as it's safe for them to do those things yeah but, but i also think it's uh i mean i i completely see i think that that probably is the perspective of a lot of guardians and especially the vanguard but really you know if you imagine you were a citizen of the the city oh absolutely i mean i don't know, think that that's correct necessarily yeah, because that's not yeah. how it works between adults you know with a child it's obviously different but i think that's mm -hmm. how the vanguard views it and i think that there is where they are probably flawed because as mm -hmm. we've learned from hawthorne a lot of of humans are perfectly capable of taking care of themselves when you train mm -hmm. them properly yeah speaking of of the vanguard um <laughs> we we know that we, we mentioned earlier that hawthorne doesn't really trust them but it's kind of made very very clear when we boost that signal i forget what mission that is um when we bring her the signal booster and we pick mm -hmm. up the message from zavala that he's on titan and we're like we got to go to zavala and she gets really really mad <laughs> she's like i finally found a guardian that's useful for something and now you're gonna just leave and abandon us and she's like fine whatever but then later after we visit everybody and you come back and she's completely surprised that we came back she's like didn't expect that to happen at all which is interesting yeah. and it kind of makes me wonder if that's just a general distrust of guardians or if if something specific happened that caused her to have such a distrust that if someone said they were going to come back that they wouldn't do it you know what i mean yeah Mm, I think it's yeah, it's possible. Obviously, we, we we there's no way that we could say either way at this point, but um, yeah, it's definitely possible. I think we know from her relationship with um, Devram K that that you know they, they have quite an. I was going to wait before we got onto that, but it, um, they have quite an interesting relationship because Devram K was formerly um, I can't remember his title, but he was like. Uh, a member of the like the city watch effectively mm -hmm. is that the right term um and he had a lot of run-ins with hawthorne so even though she does have this um seeming disrespect for authority figures that seems to be generally reserved for only guardians she doesn't seem to have the same um level of animosity towards devram even though he was, you know, in a in a position of authority. Now that that could just be because they developed a relationship. Perhaps the first time that they that they met, that she did have exactly the same kind of feelings. Um, but maybe it's because you know, Hawthorne's a non-guardian, Delvram's a non-guardian. Um, maybe it's easier for her to see the world the way that Devram sees it. Yeah, it, it could also be based on, you know, the practicality of the fact that maybe she hasn't actually fought alongside Guardians to this point. Um, we, we don't really know that, but, you know, she knows the people that she is sort of in the trenches with and trust them. And we kind of build this relationship by <clears throat> by working with her to fight to take back, um, like, the farm and everything. And then from that perspective on, she kind of sees us as a valuable resource 
And then, of course, we try to, you know, subsequently just leave and go find the vanguard. So there's a little bit of like trust breakdown there. But it could just be based off of really the fact that um, she trusts those that are going to be fighting alongside her. Mm -hmm. I wonder, too, this this kind of made me think about Petra and her storyline, because it might be that it's just a completely different tactical issue. Right. Like the, the issue with Petra was that she she killed all these guardians because she called in the strike because she didn't understand that guardians just fight differently because they're not afraid of dying because they'll just res. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and they so the way that guardians use tactics is a completely different way than um, mortal people use tactics. Right. Mm-hmm. So if she had seen guardians fight or if she had ever fought a near to a guardian it might be really disconcerting for hawthorne to see someone um use such brazen tactics just run into the middle of a fight or whatever and just die and resurrect and die and resurrect that's a completely alien um thought process to anyone who is used to mortal tactics yeah yeah i think i think that's a really good comparison well, an, an interesting comparison, definitely, yeah. Uh, so, you know, speaking of her tactics and things, I'm trying to make segues rather than just... <laughs> I don't know if it works really well. Um, we'll try. Um, on her... Um, she has a fe- Hawthorne's Field Forge shotgun, um, a really great quote um, that shows her practical practicality, practicalness. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it says, what am I supposed to put here? It's a gun. Kill bad guys with it. That's the flavor text. <laughs> Which I found really funny because we're used to this like really um, poignant or meaningful flavor text in guns or that's related to the name of it. And she's like, it's a gun. You kill people yeah. with it. Like, I, don't, I don't understand what you expect from me. But even even the name of the weapon isn't, you know, like... <sighs> the last word it's not yeah. poetic. it's not like <laughs> a better devil or yeah. you know that, that there are so many there are so many clever names in destiny and this is just hawthorne's field forged shotgun <laughs> it might be it might be the only shotgun that has the word shotgun in the name that's entirely possible it's it's kind of interesting too that she gives us a shotgun when through the story I don't think we actually ever see her use a shotgun. It's just all sniper rifles. Hmm. Unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Um she definitely seems to excel as a sniper. Well that's because she so... gave us her shotgun, so she doesn't have it anymore. <laughs> that's true. You know what? You're so right. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Although I, I also imagine that it's um I know that from yeah, you know, I think Amanda Holiday um, in Destiny One. There was the quest. What was it called again? The the shotgun. The chaperone. Um, yeah, the chaperone. Um, there's definitely a handful of non-guardian shotguns, um, but I also imagine that they're kind of you have to get quite close to use a shotgun. Um, I imagine if you're on the offensive. In Amanda Holiday's case, it was a weapon that I think her mother used to defend themselves. Should when they, they should they, to get to the city. 
Yeah. So it's a defensive weapon. It's used as kind of perhaps a last ditch attempt. If somebody's coming towards you, you, you have this shotgun that you can use to try and fill them full of, full of holes. But if you're on the offensive, it's an incredibly risky move to get close to your opponent. Um, that's why we don't see Hawthorne using the shotgun because she's yeah. in, it's not a very good strategy to use. It's kind of like an emergency situation. Yeah, definitely. So give it to the person that has self-res, or that can be res, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so we, we know that she, um, with working uh, you know, through well with us throughout the story, she reestablishes the farm um, as sort of the base of operations. Um, and, and then kind of beyond that, we do a lot of our coordination through, uh, through her for a lot of the story missions. Um, eventually she ends up in the tower though. I mean, is, do you think there's any implications there where there's a better pairing with her and the Vanguard over time? I mean, when we see it in the story that, that she is, she's helping them out in a couple of cases actually saves their lives. Um, but it's kind of interesting to me that she helped build up the farm and then now she's in the tower. Sorry, spoiler alert, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's, that's, it is a really, you know, it's a change of heart, but, I also think through the the course of the story, Hawthorne learns, you know, she, she, she helps the guardians and the guardians help her. Um, I think it's natural that the, the Vanguard's perspective would be totally changed. So I, I think it's less that Hawthorne has had a change of heart and more that the Vanguard have had a change of heart. I think it's both because I think that the guardians and the vanguards especially have changed in that like now they had this time as being mortal, right? And that's a big shock for them. Mm-hmm. And then um, having that last battle where they, where we work together with humanity to fight against the cabal, um, they kind of realized that Hawthorne is, like really, really useful tactician, and that humans are not just like these children that we have to protect; that they can fight themselves too, and um, and can be really useful allies. So I think the vanguard changed in that sense, and I think Hawthorne changed it in at the same time, seeing like we did come back. We said we were going to come back. It might have taken a while, but we did come back. We brought other guardians with us. You know, I we don't have this exclusively, but it's in my thought that we were probably the ones that mentioned to the Vanguard, like, hey, we have this Hawthorne chick. She seems like she really knows what she's doing. She might be helpful, you know, in this battle and bringing her in on that and letting her actually participate in the defense of humanity, which is really what she wants. Like she wants to be helpful and useful, right? And doesn't want to Mm -hmm. sit in a tower and be protected like like a princess. Yeah. So... I think that that last battle where everyone really worked together changed everyone's view that guardians are useful. You know, humanity is useful. We can work together rather than being in a weird, like parent child, almost dynamic. Yeah. And that's actually probably a much healthier relationship as well. Yeah, for sure. So, um, when Hawthorne moves to the tower, um, she also, 
One of the initiatives that she has uh, been involved with is the kind of re-establishment or the, the, the rebranding of clans. I thought it was really interesting that they pulled these in-game mm-hmm. because they weren't in Destiny 1, really. Yeah. They were, it's like, you join a clan, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they really tried to make it really useful in the game, and I thought it was really fun that they put it in the story as well. Um, and yeah. I think Hawthorne having that idea is really, really great since she is all about, you know, working together and, and, and teamwork. Mm-hmm. Do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think it's interesting as well how, it, like, pre- previously clans existed in Destiny 1, but not. They weren't. Um, like, they weren't part of the world, you know? Um, you could see who was online in your clan, um, but that was about the limit of the clan um, integration into the into the game. Um, it would have been easy to do something similar for Destiny 2, but, you know, like, like they, they could have had it so that when your clan gets a, a crucible engram, it goes to the postmaster. But they obviously decided that it made more sense to come from Hawthorne. It makes so, me wonder what's gonna, what they're going to do in the future. Like, is this the first step? Mm-hmm. In clan integration, and in the future, is she going to have, you know, special clan missions or you know, clan thing? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the goals, um, challenges, challenges? That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, every week that you do with your clan, I don't know. We have guided games now, which is kind of a clan thing. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know if that goes to Hawthorne specifically, but yeah, I think I, it's I think... fun. The the bulk of the story still kind of points to us being this solo amazing guardian, even though when you go to do in-game activities like the raid, you have to have a fire team. And the idea of a fire team is still baked into the story. It's just this like large group of guardians is not really talked about. Um, so I wonder if over time they kind of bring that in a little bit more, like these clans, these these larger groups. Yeah. And there was a reference to the Dads of Destiny clan. Yeah. In, in yeah. Idle, in idle conversation, I know we tweeted it out. I think, but at least I did. Um, but she says something about a, a group of of fathers, you know, getting in together. And I was like, oh, that's <laughs> destiny. I love you guys. <laughs> which which brings up interesting law questions around, you know, can guardians be fathers? I've Seems... asked that question many. <laughs> And yeah. No one has given me the answer. Can yeah. guardians get pregnant? If a guardian gets pregnant and has a baby, is the baby a guardian or is it a regular person? <laughs> Only if the ghost also gets pregnant. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> so, um, one of the questions that we had was why did Hawthorne establish the farm so close to the Shard of the Traveller? Because she talks quite a lot about how dangerous it is. And it is in the European Dead Zone, which she points out herself, that it's Mm. called the Dead Zone. Yeah. So why did we set up shop there? I don't know. 
Maybe because the cabal aren't over there? I mean, they do have a pretty huge war base right in the middle of the European dead zone. So it seems like if it was in an attempt to be as far away from the cabal as possible, then the cabal didn't take very long to set up shop. Or maybe they're intentionally, maybe she's intentionally fighting on the front lines uh, to protect those, um, you know, the, the rest of uh, the humans that have uh, evacuated the city. Maybe mm-hmm. that's sort of like the, you know, the um, base of operations, but just from a military perspective. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I have some memory of her talking about that area being familiar to her. Yes. So maybe there was something there before, like the farm was there before as a way to get to the city, like as a stopping point. Mm-hmm. I, think I, I think that's a very likely scenario. Maybe not necessarily that it's a stopping point, but that the reason that, that Hawthorne set up shop at this location was because it, it was a location that she knew she could defend. Mm-hmm. Through experience or, or whatever else, um, you know, she 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 does seem to have been at the farm for some time before we get there, and we get there pretty much as well not not as quickly as you can because well you know we wandered through the outskirts of the city for at least a few days I think according to the um the text on the opening missions, but you know. It's 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 there's definitely more than a few days worth of work gone into setting up the farm. It's a, it's an outpost that that has at least some. It's 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 reasonably established. So I think yeah I think as you said it's probably the case that Hawthorne already had set up a base at the farm. Maybe because being so close to the shot of the traveller meant that other people, whether whether humans or um, minions of the darkness didn't want to come near it. Could be. It's like that closer you are to danger, the further you are from harm thing. Mm, that's so deep. <laughs> wow. Okay, so do you want to move on to the remnants of humanity a little bit? Yeah, we can do. I guess that, you know, there's, it's easier to talk about Hawthorne than about, you know, the the refugees because we don't we we see a lot of people at the farm, but it's hard to tell if they're refugees or not. It would be my assumption that they're at least refugees from the city. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's... We don't that's know true. how many people are... Uh, prior to the Cabal attack, we don't know how many people were being brought into the city anymore. It, they kind of seem <laughs> to talk about it like the refugees coming in, you like was a thing that used to happen and we're kind of done mm-hmm. now. Like we've, we've rescued everyone that can be rescued and they're all in the city now. Yeah. But that's, doesn't mean that they don't occasionally find people mm-hmm. somehow. Um, but it was kind of my interpretation that all these refugees that we're talking about now are refugees from the city that are, that yeah. survived the attack and are now looking for somewhere to go. That's not, you know, on fire. I guess I guess the um the I that that is a that is a reasonable requirement in a housing arrangement I have to say um uh, pl- not on fire please um yeah, I, 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 <laughs> the bar is low <laughs> <laughs> I 
I guess I just wish we'd seen more. A lot of the people that you see around the farm seem to be hard at work doing something. You know, um, they have they have useful, relevant skills to a military base, whereas refugees often have skills in in varied things that that probably wouldn't be useful in in that immediate situation. Um, and so it would be. I, I would have preferred. I would have loved to see some some you know actual refugees, if you know what yeah, I mean. Like some kids. Or- yeah. Or people just like sitting around. Yeah. They don't have anything to do. Yeah. But I was thinking, because I, I did write in the in our notes, we don't really get to see any refugees, but we do get to see a lot of tents. There are like, hu- yeah, hundreds of tents at the farm. Um, you, you, you can't reach them, but if you walk behind the, uh, the, the big building that had the, um, the, the ship in it, the, I can't, I don't know how to describe the building. Anyway, there's a big field with hundreds of, of tents set up, probably, I guess, for refugees. Yeah, my presumption would be that it's my only, like, in-game excuse for something like that would be that the people who had useful skills would be kind of in the town area, quote-unquote yeah. town, doing things whereas anyone who doesn't have a useful skill get out of the way because we're trying to do things yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah we also the area is called the farm but we don't see any real farming going on as far as i've seen so (laughs) maybe maybe some of that's happening um out off in the distance that's a really good point yeah there could well be a, a huge number of people working on the agriculture side um, growing food and crops for the for the other refugees. Yeah, it could be just like they kind of establish it similar to a village or small town would crop up, wherein you mm-hmm. have a kind of town center that, you know, in very small towns might just be one street, right? Mm-hmm. Where you have mm-hmm. all the shops and like um, where the grocer sets up, his, where the farmer sets up a stand to sell, you know, the food that he's grown. But the farming and the actual work gets done way out far away. And they just yeah. you know, ride in to town to sell all their stuff. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else on the refugees that we want to talk about? Can't, I can't think of anything. Else. Yeah. Um, so I also wrote down Devram K. I probably could have written down more detail rather than just his name. But um, yeah, I, I think Devram is interesting because he was the. Um, he was a member of, uh, again, I can't remember exactly what, 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 what it's referred to, but something like the City Watch, you know. Um, I'm going to try and like get it the, now. The um, human level defense for this. Yeah. And there was a great quote that I saw. Oh, yeah. The um, Wildwood Helm um, or, or Mask or Cover, whatever, whichever. The, the headpiece, the Wildwood headpiece, has this quote from Devram K, which says, I love the city, but I don't want to go back. I want to bring the city to the EDZ. Oh, EDZ, that was my English accent <laughs> coming out there. Uh, but Devram K is also English, so I, I somehow, I don't know how that works if you're from the city, but uh, he has a very British accent. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah, I think that's interesting that that his, this experience of being uh, effectively a refugee, being displaced from his home in the city, has changed his perspective as well, and he's no longer, you know, I'm I'm you know I'm sure he he wants to see the city survive because there are plenty of people there that he you know wishes well, but it's not the life that he wants anymore. He wants to work to bring humanity out of the city and into these areas that the, the minions of the darkness have claimed. Yeah. There's, you know, in relation to what we were talking about, about the farm sort of establishing itself as a city, there's another quote from the Wildwood robes, the warlock chess piece. Uh, and it says, um, perhaps the farm can be another city. So that does kind of match up. Mm. Yeah. Um, it might be worth noting too. I don't know. This is just a little bit of extra uh, interesting lore, but he is the, um, first openly homosexual character that we know about in Destiny. Really? Yes. Yeah. There, when you stand around him, he's in just in his idle conversation. He starts dictating, or I guess he's writing and talking to himself, a letter to his lover. Mm-hmm. And, Interesting. And he requests that they send more tea. It's really <laughs> that is sweet. I guess I mean he, so he's probably it sounds like he might be the first um openly homosexual NPC that we meet but oh, um what? yeah there there are other references to uh you know uh, I, I, like um Kiyoma and Maya mm-hmm. from the Ishtar collective yes um are probably the the best known um couple yeah, but he's the first one we interact with. I yeah, guess, is what people are excited about. Yeah, Un- unless we have met Kiyoma Omaya uh, without that's realizing. A podcast. <laughs> Stay tuned uh-huh. next time. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay. Um, well, that was interesting. I didn't know that. I I had no idea about that. I can't remember his boyfriend's name now significant other mm. i don't know if they're married or not it doesn't say <laughs> mm. in a re- significant other that's the politically correct thing right i, gu- I guess yeah partner's fine as well yeah partner yeah cool i think we covered everything that we planned to talk about so thank you for listening thanks to our fantastic community for transcribing a bunch more transcripts and to our wonderful patrons for helping uh, keep the lights on and also for voting on this week's topic. We'll be posting a topic on our forum, so please go there and leave your thoughts about this episode. Uh, and as usual, you can find us at www.ishtar-collective.net on our forum, on Twitter at Ishtar Call, C-O-L-L. I've been Baxter. I've been Purple Chimera. And I've been Normal Norman. See you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.